Podcast by Proxy is proud to be sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. BetterHelp is the online therapy service that has served over 3 million people worldwide and is available to consumers in Canada. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I know for myself, starting therapy really helped me understand myself better and why I react to certain things the way I do. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Personally, therapy gave me new tools to help deal with my anxiety in my everyday life. BetterHelp connects you with a therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash proxy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash proxy. Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We're live. That was very upbeat for, I think, our general energy right now. <laughs> Katie knows it's just Sunday. It's a, it's a Sunday, Sunday today. Sunday, Sunday. You know what? I say that, but I actually love Sundays. And I've had a good day. Like, we got so much done. Update on the yard. Uh, the backyard is seeded. Please. The grass is Ooh. seeded. Uh, still a mess back there, but we fully cleaned and seeded. Front and back. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot happening today. I love that, though. Our general mood We also is, have a lot going oof. on, but it, it feels good to have a lot going on. It feels productive. Yeah, it does. It's a little bit burnout vibe, but it's productive and good, so balance. Yeah, the next two weeks on the show, if I sound like I'm a just zombie. barely getting by, I'm just barely getting by. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, Olivia I'm has fine, a tough but... few weeks coming up. Yeah. We're going to give her a bit of grace. Yeah, if I'm not very active on social media, that's why, because... Okay. I just don't have time, but Maybe I'm going to try. baking videos. Does anybody like baking videos? Everybody knows Katie took over the Instagram because all of a sudden it's just like plants and baking. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes me sound like such a Holly homemaker and I kind of love it because it's not necessarily true, but. I like it. I love it. It's excellent. If anyone out there has Disney Plus, I'm watching a show called. I think it's called Still No Morgan, and it's about a disappearance of a six-year-old, and it's very well written, and it's like first-hand accounts, interviews with her mom. It's really good. That sounds really sad. Missing kids just always get me. They're sad to research. They're sad to listen to. <sighs> Actually, just kids in general. The other day, Brandon asked if we could watch the... Trials of Gabriel Fernandez on Netflix, oh, and God. I straight up said no. Like that's a that one time. One is... That's a one time only for me. It is Ooh. hard to get through, and I refuse to watch what that little boy had to go through more than once. That is, yeah, an excessive account of child abuse. We actually just had a case in Ed Edmonton, I want to say, uh -huh. that is really, really similar to the Gabriel yeah. Fernandez case in terms of, um, yeah, child abuse, malnutrition, just complete lack of care. And for this poor child, 
Um, maybe we will talk about it one day, but I did see recently in the news that um, that was going to go to trial soon. So you're going to hate my case today. Oh, no. Uh... <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, I'm just pulling. Um, I can't find it right now, and it upsets me. The reason that I can't find it is there are so many child abuse cases in Edmonton that are showing as recent. So that's really sad. Um, yeah, I'll have to to look a little bit further into that. But I, I recently saw that and it upset me. Anyways, moving on. Katie's bringing us a story today. So yeah, today I am going to give a huge blanket trigger warning to just, everyone. Yeah. Uh, mental health, child abuse, infant abuse Ugh. uh yeah i would say that if you struggle with any type of uh gestational pains or things like that that this might be a tough one to listen to maybe not i can't speak for anyone but i just want to make sure that i'm very clear when i found this case i was like interesting i've never heard of this but then when i really started looking into it like it's very sad mm-hmm and hard to hear, but also important to hear, I think, like all our other cases. So we'll just get into it. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of information from a CBC News article. Frankie's killing me. Princess and the P, lay down. Yeah. Our animals and our partners just do not care when we're trying to get work done. They choose that time to just be loud. The worst part is he's going to walk in the second she lies down. I mm -hmm. know it. Yep. I know it. That's pretty much how it goes. A lot of my uh, information is from three CBC News articles. Um, A Million Other Choices podcast. I listen to them. Friend of the pod. Yep. Uh, I also leaned heavily into Wikipedia because there really isn't a lot of information about this case, so this might not be the longest recording either, but I was kind of shocked when I heard about it. So, again, let's get into it. Yeah, and a million other choices, if you don't remember, we featured her promo on our show before, but that's Kim Toller, who is the aunt of Taylor Toller, who was murdered by her boyfriend, um, who also killed some of his family members we covered taylor's case on the show i think it was last year around the same time that we dropped kim's a million other choices promo so definitely be sure to go check her out she does really really excellent like victim focused coverage and it's really interesting because she has that um victim perspective herself uh, i really enjoy listening to her stuff yeah uh also because you know how picky i can be Great podcast voice. Yeah, very true. Really good podcast voice as well. Before we do let Katie uh, tell us our story today, though, please, if you enjoy the show, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Podcast by Proxy. I am starting to post a little bit more on TikTok if you want to check that out at Podcast by Proxy. And you can email us any case suggestions, uh, podcastbyproxy at gmail.com. And uh, did I forget anything? Don't forget to leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. That's about it. 
Yeah. You will have heard the ad in the pre-roll today, but thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. We are very excited to have our first official sponsor of the podcast, and we just wanted to shout out and say thank you to BetterHelp. Yes, thank Um, you. Yeah, our ad is at the beginning of this episode. Promo code, all the information you need was there. So if you skipped through it, please go back and check it out because we're very excited for this partnership. Um, But I'm done talking and let's see what Katie has to share with us today. Yeah, you might need better help after this. Yeah. Today's case is about a woman named Simi Cologne. However, that is her shortened name that she goes by. Her real full name is Harissamrat Cologne. So she is Indian-Canadian, and we'll talk a little bit about her now. Okay. She was born in Chandrigarh. In 1982, she was raised there into the Sikh community. It is part of India. It's in the state of the Punjab to the northeast. So it's about 260 kilometers north of New Delhi. The name Chandragarh is a compound of Shandi and Gar. Shandi refers to Hindu goddess, and Shandi and Gar means fortress. So I just thought that was really pretty. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Simi grew up, as we know, being raised under Sikh faith while living in India. Um, Sikh or people who identify as following Sikhism or the Sikh religion are typically have emphasis on congruency between spiritual development and everyday moral conduct. So essentially they just want you to be like a really good person. Mm-hmm. The emphasis or like mission statement, I don't really know what to call it as a non-religious person, but yeah. the statement of the religion is that truth is the highest virtue, but higher still is truthful living. So it's easy to tell the truth once here and there, but living a fully truthful life can be very difficult. I would uh, say that's as, like a mission statement. Yeah. I Again, as a non-religious person, I don't know if it has a specific name when it's identified towards a religion, but sure. I thought mission statement was good. Yeah. As I may have mentioned before, having been in a relationship with someone who is Sikh, men typically have Singh as their last name, or in more modern Western civilization, their middle name, and that means lion. Oh. Women will typically have Kor, which means princess. Interesting. Didn't know that. Really? I've never told you that. I don't Mm. think so. Yeah. That's just, like, the tradition. All... Boys and all girls have, like, the same last or middle name. So if their last name isn't that, it means their middle name probably is? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. Like, for example, out of the three siblings in the family I was just mentioning, Mm -hmm. both boys have the same middle name. Okay. And sister has core. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I thought it was Neato Burrito. It's always cool to learn about different cultures. Yeah. Especially since, like, all cultures are richer than white people. (laughs) Oh, we are the wonder bread of people, for sure. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, God, it's terrible. I was just thinking about that when you were talking about how, like, the city names were named after this beautiful thing. I'm like, I feel like all of our stuff is named after, like, some white person that found it. Yeah, after they took away the indigenous name. Sure, yeah. They, like, took away whatever name it had, and they were like, you know what? I'm going to call this John's Place. And that's how we ended up with all of our towns. 
in my town where I live, um, because I live in, we white people call it the Couchin Valley, but it's the Coatzin Valley. Mm-hmm. And all of our street names have like the Halkaminum writing underneath of how mm-hmm. to say it and what it means. That's cool. And I really like that because it feels like we're trying to at least make sure we're leveling and playing fields where we can visually. Yeah, and I think that's starting to change around here for sure. Like those traditional names are being brought back. I And obviously that's a gross over-exaggeration and I'm just being funny, but it's just, it is always funny to me that I feel like any, our culture is just so dull. <laughs> it's just. Oh, yeah. You know. Anyway. Yeah. Um, weird thing that I noticed when I was doing the research for this, when I was researching a little bit about Sikhism, they kept saying there's 29 million followers of the religion. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that like cults, social media, religion, they're all followers. Mm-hmm. We all use the same term. We do. Just some food for thought there. Yeah. Again. It's the same with any of the, for example, we were just watching the shoot what was it called there is it on netflix it's a religious documentary about this like standoff oh like my the gosh jim no. jones thing no jonestown no i have to jonestown find it now. A standoff i'm sure it is but that's not what we were watching brandon was like really into this and said he like studied it in school and he knew so much about it i was shocked uh hold on just let me find let me find okay Okay, it doesn't really matter, but all I was saying is, like, those kind of things as well have, quote, followers, right? Like, uh, Manson, yeah. for example, they were considered, well, like, I mean fo- cult. followers of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So, in 1999, Seema, Seema, that's the name of a lady in a show that I watch, and she just always reminds me of her name. Simi <laughs> moved, or immigrated, I should say, from India to Canada to live with her aunt and uncle. Okay. She was 17 years old. It sounds like as a young adult, she moved by herself to start a life, maybe gain just education. There was really no reason or mention why, but I think at that time, a lot of people were just immigrating to Canada for a better living situation and more equality, especially yeah. as a young woman. So that's just my guess, but I still. A lot of people still immigrate to Canada for that reason. Yeah. <clears throat> She quickly gained a job as a receptionist or kind of like the personal assistant to the owner of the law firm. Um, So that was like a decent job she had. She had a steady income and all of her friends and people she worked with, and I say friends in heavy, heavy air quotes because she was like fiercely private. And her coworkers said like she was really, really, really hardworking and really nice, but we didn't know anything about her. Do you think it's maybe a cultural thing? I do in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Where I work, we just hired this like super, super hardworking, amazing employee. And she's like South Asian. Mm-hmm. And she's very, very quiet while she works. Mm-hmm. But it seems like that's just who she is. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been my experience in general from what I've seen. However, that's totally just an outside looking in. I have no reason to say that that's the case. Yeah, that's fair. 
I just ask because I my mom works with international students and so I've done lots of like chaperoning with them and stuff. And sometimes you can tell where they come from just based solely on if they're really loud and outgoing. Um, yeah. yeah. Or if they're like really, really reserved and quiet. Like you can almost tell once you've worked with people from different countries for long enough. Everyone has kind of like cultural way. Not that mm-hmm. everyone's the same, but anyway. By no, the way, I it think was there's the, certain attributes that are similar. The Waco standoff is what I'm talking about. Oh, in Waco, Texas? Yes. <laughs> Texas? We just watched my that. Drink. And that followers thing made me think of that, too, because a lot of people on that yeah. documentary still very much speak that way. Yeah. No, you're right. That's another one. Mm-hmm. There's so many. There's so many. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah. So to add to this, like, very quiet, shy demeanor of hers, she didn't ever really talk about her family or any friends, like, in passing, you know? She never in the office was like, oh, I was talking to my mom back home or my dad back home or my aunt and uncle that I live with. She just didn't really talk about them. Uh, Come to find out, in her early 20s, she actually moves out with her now-living boyfriend. Um, Her family didn't really agree with this, but... Mm -hmm. It happens, so people around her kind of assumed maybe this is why her family was distant at the time. Mm-hmm. Her brother says that the last time he saw her was in 2005, so, like, the year she moved, he just, like, stopped seeing her. So they first rent together a small basement suite, <laughs> didn't we all, in Falcon Ridge. Falcon Ridge is, like, a smallish town, and in 2002 it had a population of 10,000 people, spread throughout 3,000 dwellings. So I think it's pretty similar to a lot of other small towns we talk about. It's nothing to write home about. Yeah. But in late 2006, at 24 years old, they move into a larger homes basement suite in Terradale. It's about a 25% larger city, more opportunities. As of 2000 or year 2000, the city had an immigrant population of about 27.8 of its overall residents. So quite a high population, and even when I looked it up, um, most of its city council to this day is run by some type of Asian immigrant, okay. whether it's East Asian or South Asian, um, which is really neat to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. So not only are they represented in population, but also within the governing people of the city, it's really good to see. Yeah. So her man... Or her live-in boyfriend, <laughs> every article says, is Harnik Mahal. He was That's away such a for weird really... way to term someone, her live-in boyfriend. Right? Like, what about her boyfriend that she lived with? Why do we have to make it so weird? Well, and then, like, the very last article I read was, like, her common-law boyfriend. Oh, my god! But I thought I mean, it fair, was funny, is... the distance they kind of created all through the narrative by calling him a live-in boyfriend. What is a live-in boyfriend? I understand a live-in maid, a live-in nanny. A live-in care aide. A live-in boyfriend, <laughs> to me, makes it sound like it was her place and he just stayed there and was right? just constantly there but all the she time. she moved out and, like, they moved in together. So it was like, I don't know, her family or the media or people around her were just not sure or they were devaluing Maybe. them or what. Like, I have no idea, but I just thought it was really interesting Yeah, as well. It is, I mean, it is. It, Words have power, and I always, especially lately, I've been really analyzing the words that people use and how they say things. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. 
I had a Whether conversation like not. that with a like 20 year old employee where I worked the other day because mm-hmm. they were kind of saying like, well, that's shit. And that's not what I meant by that. And I said, yeah, but you have to look at your body language, the words you're using, your demeanor. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's an overall feeling and picture now. Mm-hmm. It's just not that simple. And I do think that that is something that has been lost the last few oh, years. Oh, I agree. And it's like, we've all sat at home and we can do whatever we want with our hands and gesture. Like I could be flipping someone off in a meeting and they would have no idea mm-hmm. because it's under my desk if I'm angry. Yeah. Now I have to go and sit across from someone and try to hide those feelings. Not that that's <laughs> me, but I'm just saying like, those are the no, kind of I know. social it's... things that we adjusted to temporarily. Yep. And now it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. A hundred percent. You have to relearn how to <clears throat> be in public. Yeah, how to like interact with people in a, you know, and use social norms and things like that. Things that we haven't been, have really had to deal with. Yeah. So Harnick was away for long stretches of time. Um, he was a long haul trucker, so he would be gone for up to seven days at a time for work. Sure. This actually worked, it sounds like, pretty well with Simi's quiet, like, homebody demeanor. She liked her time alone. She got to just do what she wanted on the week and then have a boyfriend, like, on the weekends. It was great. He would just come home for a few days, leave for a few days. Great. Um, we find further in the story, because there is an investigation in the home, that they sleep in separate bedrooms. However, through all the research, there's no indication if this was for religious reasons because they're not married. Mm-hmm. Does he snore? Is it because of his job? We have no idea. I'm just putting it out there because it is yeah. going to be an important element in the future. However, I'm not speculating anything due to this. Yeah. It's going to be important to the case and the layout of the home. The home, too, that they shared together was always, like, spick and span, like, OCD clean, her friends and family said. That's just how she lived. So, like, when police went in and Harnick's family go into the home later, it is, like, immaculate. Like, nothing out of place. Harnick has been away working in Red Deer for about a week stretch at this point. He's been calling home on his way, as he usually does, um, to no answer. He has no idea what is going on. Simi's not answering. He also doesn't normally carry his house keys when he goes away on long hauls in case he loses them, I assume. So he would just, like, call her on his way home, and she would just either leave the door unlocked or she'd be there kind of thing. So... On October 4th, he's arriving home after these missed calls. No one's answering. Knowing Simi is mellow when he enters the home and it's, like, silent, he doesn't think anything of it. He just thinks she's probably in another room puttering away at something. Fair. Yeah. He begins to explore the Terradale home when he finds that his girlfriend is face down on the bedroom floor, motionless. So he rushes to call the police. He can kind of tell that she's too far gone by looking at her already. But he rushes to call the police. They immediately arrive. And police say that they don't find her death suspicious right out the gates. Um, We come to find out that they're based on, like, where the blood was on her body and what was going on. They believe that she potentially died from a complication of pregnancy and childbirth. What? Bum, bum, bum. What the fuck? Like, what? Yeah. Okay. So, Simi had, in fact, given birth to a daughter in 2005. 
Uh, there was no man registered as the father on the birth certificate. Possibly it was um, Henrik, but again, he's just not on the birth certificate and right. he doesn't know about this. So, And again, huh? given the religion, unmarried, the age... And this would have been right around the time that they were, like, moving in together and stuff. So she mm-hmm. could have been seeing someone else as well. She could have just, like, right. we don't know. Like, like maybe there's a reason the there's above, no listed. We know how women can be treated. Yeah, unwed in any religion yeah. with child. Yeah. For sure. So at this point... Henrik advises police that he knew that she did get pregnant when they were, like, together early on in their relationship. Like, when they were younger kind of thing? Yeah, but they had agreed collectively that an abortion was the right call. They knew that they were already, like, going up against certain odds moving in together as an unwed couple. Introducing a child into that mix would really complicate the situation further. Yeah. So... The question is, could she have somehow secretly had this child, like, carried through the pregnancy and hid it from everybody? No, keep in mind, this would be from everybody at the law firm. At the time, she was also doing a bit of, like, a house cleaning job, it sounds like, because she's such a good cleaner. (laughs) And then also now her spouse, who's in and out within every seven-day period. So could she have? Like, it's possible. I was going to say, it's possible. Is it plausible? <clears throat> no, but it's not impossible because I actually have a friend who got pregnant and didn't even know until like seven months because she... Oh, there's a reason there's a show on TLC yeah. for like a decade that was called I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant. Yeah, like some people just don't show or it maybe she could hide it really easily with the type of clothes that she wore and her body type. Or like, just, yeah, like... Even really thin people go unnoticed mm-hmm. because sometimes yeah. you just have a really small baby and you're really yeah. fit and active. You don't gain any fat. Yeah. So, like I mean, it's absolutely possible. Pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly possible. Okay. Well, Simi's hospital records indicate that she did give birth to a baby girl named Reet. So, Reet Cologne. She was born at Peter Lougheed Center. After that, the child was completely unaccounted for. So at the time, um, and I got this tidbit from a million other choices because I wouldn't have known this had I because I don't have children. Mm-hmm. Apparently, after you have your baby and you're, like, approved to go home, there's, like, really no follow-up from anyone unless you go to your doctor and do the follow-ups. Unless you decide to breastfeed, you have, like, a lactation specialist right. a few days later. But should she have chose not to breastfeed, which is her right, mm-hmm. that that lactation specialist wouldn't have come in. So there would have been no check-in. So she was just, like, released from the hospital. Like, right, with no follow-up. Yeah, like, you have a yeah. healthy baby girl. You've been here the day. Like, you're good to go. You have no right. complications. Be on your way. Go enjoy your baby. Mm-hmm. So one day after she dies, they're going, they're getting all this information. It's equally as confusing. And Harnick really doesn't, like, know what is even going on. Because now his wife has died. There's these pregnancies he's, like, not Mm -hmm. sure about or pregnancy. And he kind of just starts going through her bedroom, which he was never allowed in because she kept it locked as well. Like, he was not allowed in her room. Okay. Right. Yeah, a little weird. No, my face was like, 
Mm. Yeah. But it seems like because, remember, he found her in there, it seems like because he wasn't home, she had unlocked her bedroom, gone in there, and died in there with the door open, so he has full access to the room. Okay. So he goes in, he's, like, looking through her things. I can only imagine it's, like, you know, your typical movie where you're, like, smelling her clothes, walking through Mm -hmm. the closet. And he's standing in her closet, and he notices that there's, like, a suitcase wrapped in a bag, which is... I see your face right now. I just yeah. feel like I maybe know where this is going and I hate it and it's so sad, but continue. Yeah. So the suitcase is wrapped, as we say, in a plastic bag. But when he gets closer, he notices that there is a fluid of some type leaking from said suitcase. Okay. They, or well, he just backs away and calls the authorities again because everything's so fucked up right now that he's like, what the hell? So he calls them. He has minimal information. um, And he just says, like, there's this weird suitcase. I need you guys to come look at it. Yeah. He also noticed that there was, like, a mild smell and an excessive scent of air freshener in there. A medical examiner was sent to the home immediately given the circumstances of the day before's discovery of Simi in the home. Yeah. He carefully removes the plastic, opens the suitcase, and reveals, as we said, and major trigger warning here. Yeah. Loss of child, any of those stillborn, if these are difficult for you, like, please stop this episode. Yeah. I'm just going to wait, like, three to five seconds here and kill some time so that You can stop. Yeah. Okay. Inside the suitcase, there's an airtight container with the infant's body inside, inside a suitcase, then wrapped in a garbage bag. So that's what he's opening at the home there to see what it is in front of them. He obviously collects all pieces of evidence that are there as well as the infant, takes it back for further investigation. Fair enough. Keep in mind with Sikh religion, and I mean, I only know this from firsthand account, that when someone passes away, there's immediately, or really any life event, positive or negative, there's like 30 people in your home immediately. Right. Yep. It's just the norm. It's a lot. But with that being said, and the current discovery... Harnick's sister decides to kind of just, like, keep looking around, as do a couple other family members. And, again, another trigger warning, because this one is just as bad, if not actually a lot worse. His sister finds a box with the remains of two more infants and a placenta. Whoa. Yeah. This indicates a total of potentially either two pregnancies, one of which being twins, or three pregnancies and... Right. We will get to what, well, that may be the complication, is that the third placenta is still, was inside her, and that was what ultimately killed her, because that will make you septic. Right, yeah. Because it, it, it dies inside you. It's disgusting to say it that way, and so mm-hmm. vague, like, raw, but it's true. It's a big piece of flesh yeah. that dies and goes necrotic. <clears throat> As we said, originally, media outlets were like, she had twins and they died because identical twins do share a placenta or can't. Oh, I see. So they were saying, like, she probably just had twins. 
but medical examiners weren't really correcting that information, so it was left to wonder. But it is believed that the placenta being left in her is what killed her ultimately. It is difficult, though, because she was left in the home for, like, a little bit. Right. And the but it would make out. sense. It would yes. make sense. Because yes. that is true. Um, I'm going to just say I know somebody who had their appendix removed and a piece was left inside of them and they ended up going septic and having to get surgery yeah. to have that removed. And there have been complications since then. But yeah, it can be really, really dangerous to have flesh like that Very left inside dangerous. of you. Yeah, I don't want anything dead inside of me. That's awful. Yeah. I can't even... Yeah, okay. I'm going to let you finish. Yeah. So this is when her husband... Or her common-law boyfriend explains that, yes, she was pregnant one time. We agreed to get an abortion because it wasn't a good idea. Um, but he had no knowledge of her ever being pregnant again. So to one. his knowledge, she had an abortion and that's been it. And that was from, like, 2005 before they moved, right? It was, like, when they were in their basement suite. Right. Before when they, they like moved kind into of first their moved Terradale home. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it was all... And there was a lot going on. Like, they're moving. She's very young. She might not show that much. <clears throat> He's away on work a lot. There's just a mm -hmm. lot of moving parts at that point in their life. So, a forensic psychologist, Dr. J. Thomas Dalby, believes that there was some major personality disorder at play here or a depressive episode that she would continually go through when she would get pregnant, which could have caused these kind of lapses, he's calling them. Her diary that was well hidden and came to light quite a while after reflect that she was quite self-loathing. Her mood reflects someone that was very unstable day-to-day, -day, quite self-deprecating, and didn't really feel that much otherwise. She writes of a deep attachment to each one of the babies and a need to keep them close. But having them, like, in her closet or hidden away in, like, airtight containers was just a way of, like, being a good mom, it seemed like, in a sense, or, like, keeping them close. Right. Because the weird thing is there was, like, and I'll tell you a bit more about it, but she, like, didn't feel guilty at all. Oh. So it does seem like someone who was just, like, no, I love my babies. I'm keeping them close to me. Like, I don't, like, it was the right thing to do kind of thing. Like, we, yeah, okay. Like, I think mental health was a way bigger component than we give it credit for in this. Yeah. Well, So and I just want to keep that in mind. Hormones. Um, yeah. Postpartum. Around pregnancy, postpartum, um, all of that is, I'm sure, at play here and yeah, awful. Yeah. As we said, a multitude of air fresheners were found in, like, all in the closet. You could smell that multiple different scents had been sprayed in there, like, continual air fresheners had been used. This was likely to cover the smell of any fluids rotting flesh or yeah i can see your face but that's the only way to say it no no i i just it's horrifying but i'm also really really trying to not like judge this person like it's a horrifying situation and 
death of three babies is awful. Um, but of course, I know that there's a lot of mental health stuff going on here. And so I'm trying not to like, yes. you know what I mean? But I'm horrified. I agree with you. I felt the exact same way. I think I've just read through a lot of articles now and I'm a little bit desensitized. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, this is one of the worst cases we've ever covered, for sure. Yeah. Well, and through autopsies and her journals, more information was to support the severe mental health break. Sadly, she was dealing with this completely alone, and we come to find. Wow. She felt that she had no guilt, but still needed to have the babies nearby, possibly a maternal bond. We don't really know. But the birth of the other two infants raised many other questions as well because we don't know when these pregnancies were or who these children are. Were they ever born in a hospital? What was going on? So these additional two that were found together both show signs that they were born alive. Um, There was air in their lungs. They had been inflated, showing that there wasn't still like amniotic fluid, so they weren't born Say, like, she had complications from a yeah. home birth. They were never alive. That's they had, not the case. They had breathed life. Yes. Yeah. There was also such items hidden um, and written about, such as a garden hose, sheets, towels, and just a multitude of bloodied clothing that was found within the home, too. I don't know what the garden hose was used for. Right. But these were all items she claimed to have used during two home births that she performed herself at home with no other medical attention. Okay. Yeah. I. It's sad that she didn't feel like she could reach out to anyone because I feel like no matter if she says she had no guilt or not or whatever those diaries say, like... That had to have been a painful process for anyone, not even just physically. No, I I know. And that's, I think, goes to show just, like, what level of crisis she was in. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. To just, like, do that by yourself, Mm -hmm. to me, just seems like you have to be feeling like you really don't trust anyone or can't be helped by anyone. Yeah. Yeah. To do that. Yeah, there's no trust for other people. Mm-mm. She didn't feel it's, like she could oh. reach out for help or maybe she didn't think that she needed help. But like to me, it's still really Either sad or. and she had to have been going through distress of some sort. So no, no matter if these agree. things are horrible or not, I'm always going to be empathetic towards people who are very visibly going through mental health crisis on their own. Because I think you just get to a point where your brain takes a turn and there's no turning back. Yeah, and I think she was in a perfect circumstance to hide her pregnancies. She didn't have a large friend group. She didn't know a lot of people. She had a spouse that was in and out Mm -hmm. and might not notice changes um, or might not, might be so exhausted for the few days he's home that that might not be something that's high on his radar. So I don't know. It's so sad that she had the perfect scenario to hide so much because maybe if one component was different, maybe somebody else would have noticed, but we can't. Well, and that she felt like she had to, right? Yeah. So when all of the information starts to come out uh, over the following 
like six months after the mur- the death. I don't know why I said murder. I'm so used to talking about murder. After her death. Mm-hmm. Friends and family say that the lack of communication with her family now makes sense. She likely moved out of her family home because she was pregnant with Reet. And so she had to move out into that smaller original rental just to not be under her family's roof while pregnant. And then so that's how she was able to hide it because they were moving and it was a very stressful time. There was a lot going on as mentioned. Lab tests come back showing that the first infant that was found in the home was in fact Reet. And when they actually were able to, I don't know a nice way to say this, but like actually like lay her body out flat and perform her autopsy. They noticed that her little hospital bracelet was still on. So they were also able to get confirmation that way that it was Reet. Wow. Yeah. So she likely just... Left cannot, the hospital. Went I cannot home. imagine being that pathologist. No. Me neither. I'm glad it was a man, though. Yeah, that's fair. Just I mean, yeah. not that that isn't equally as hard on. No, but I just know a man. A, but yeah, I get it. The likelihood that just a random case coming across your desk as a woman that you aren't mm-hmm. someone who's struggled with fertility or miscarriage or Mm -hmm. something that that could just be so traumatizing yeah either way awful yeah to have to do that so at this point we know that the other infants found never seeked medical attention there is no record of these babies they were never registered they have no birth certificates they were never named the only person that can honestly answer who like fathered those children if it was Harnick I assume I I don't know we don't know we don't know why she did it we'll never know those questions unfortunately the answers died with Simi yeah and during this I was looking up the difference too between neonaticide and infanticide Okay. Because they are the two horrific processes of parents killing their infants. Mm-hmm. And I was curious what the difference was between the two. Um, neonaticide is a parent who kills their child within 24 hours of birth. Right. So indications show that that is what happened here. That she committed neonaticide and not infanticide. Um, uh, other for than- all three? Other than with Reet, because Reet was born in the hospital, because that would be killing an infant after 24 hours, but before 12 months of age. Right. So Reet was likely close to 24 hours, if not 24 hours old, being that she was born in a hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, For neonaticide, it is most commonly committed by mothers. I think we could all imagine that was a fairly common statistic. 90% of mothers that do commit this are 25 years of age or younger. Um, And, like, most of them hid their pregnancy or completely denied the fact that they were pregnant. Like, wouldn't even admit to it. Which I think goes to show the intention long-term, potentially, of what you were comfortable with. I also just... I think it's a good conversation around... The culture around women and unplanned pregnancies and Mm -hmm. 
the lack of support the shame the, too the shame around it um this is and and i mean we don't know why this happened in this case i just think these statistics like these people aren't all awful people who wanted to murder their babies there's there's no. always so many factors that go into that choice or that shame um you know not ad- not admitting to it um is that because you don't want to get in trouble you don't want to have to deal with the fallout of that do you know what i mean like there's just so there's a multitude of reasons there's so much happening with women's uteruses and the choices that they're allowed to make with them right now even in our that aren't really up to them western world that are so damaging and this is a really good example of why that is Mm -hmm. yep um yeah, I, I was shocked to find some of the, like, oh, not even statistics, but just, like, general knowledge around women and this exact circumstance, mm-hmm. like, neonaticide, emphasize. And, like, it was, what is it, in Romania, if a woman, like, kills her child within, like, X amount of time after birth, it's, like, a lesser sentence almost, it seems. Yeah, it's, like... If she kills them within 24 hours, the maximum sentence she could get is five years because they believe it could be so much due to her, like, mental state and capacity to handle It's interesting. what's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the U.S. has, like, the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, it's called. I don't know if you've... I mean, we don't do a lot of U.S. stuff, but... No. A woman who gives birth after an attempted abortion... Yeah. So get out this. So if you go and try to have an abortion and it fails and that child is born mm-hmm. and any of the following signs of life, such as breathing, heartbeat, pulsation of the umbilical cord or voluntary move, muscle movement, mm-hmm. regardless of the gestational age. So it could be at any age you could have complications and birth this child. Mm-hmm. The medical guidelines recommend that withholding resuscitation for infants with particularly no chance of survival is the parent's discretion. However, if after they find that there is a marginal chance that the child has a better than marginal chance of survival, then it's considered neonaticide. So you could go into this as someone who has no medical background, be given all this information, and decide to potentially sign like an NDR, like or a do not sure. resuscitate. Sorry, not mm-hmm. an NDR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a non-disclosure. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And then... Upon autopsy, they could find that potentially there was a higher chance this baby could survive. And immediately that baby is now a victim. Yeah. All because the medical system was unable to prevent a medical procedure that all women should have access to. And it should be their right to utilize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine that? Like... It's so fucked up. Yeah, all I was really, I don't, I, we don't need to get into a conversation about, you know, abortion and all of that stuff. Um, but all I really am trying to get at is that taking away the choice for people, whether it's religious or whatever the reason is, taking away people's choice to do with what they please with their uterus and also shaming pregnancies 
unplanned pregnancies, young pregnancies, old pregnancies. Like I've seen it all. I've seen all mm-hmm. of the women shamed creates a culture of people who feel like they can't trust anybody and they can't tell people things and then shit like this happens. Agreed. So. Yeah, we gotta change that. Maybe we should think about that while we're telling women what they can and cannot do. Period. Yeah. Agreed. Anywho. But that's my case. Again, a lot of questions left unknown, but Oh, that's it. I mean, I guess, yeah, what else is there? Yeah, we, again, with no medical records of these other children, it's very difficult for us to trace anything. They're not even quite sure exactly what years those pregnancies were during. Yeah. Well, honestly, this was a really good episode for us to have our first BetterHelp ad read because (laughs) not even funny, but like if you are experiencing any mental health issues whatsoever or you just want to talk to somebody like that's what the service is there for and we know that mental health services are really difficult to access right now so absolutely listen to the ad use the services that's what they're there for everybody deserves somebody that they can trust and that they can talk to about what they're going Mm -hmm. through Um, and in a timely affordable fashion like exactly yeah sometimes we need help right away yeah, it's a that's a really 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 sad sad case. Um, I feel really bad for her partner. I can't imagine like living under the same roof as somebody and not knowing that was occurring and then finding all of that out. Like, yeah, I think he just was like hit with tragedy after tragedy for like months after her death. Mm-hmm. With all the information that came well, of out. Of course, yeah. I mean that's. Three children up. and your girlfriend and And we I mean, don't know if he wanted children in general. Like maybe they had the abortion because they didn't want children. But the fact that he didn't even know about it and wasn't given an option to be an active participant in that choice, I, I do feel bad for him. Well and it would also make you question like your entire life. Yeah. Like you didn't know any of this was going on. I would question my whole existence. Yeah. You know? Or at least my whole home life, yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Well, thanks again to BetterHelp. (laughs) That was really sad. I have not. I don't have much else to say about that. Uh, No. Um, I mean, you said it all at the top. Like, review, subscribe. You can send case suggestions to podcastbyproxy at gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening today. Please give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fuck me.